0: OJ finds out that the black market memorabilia dealer in his la- is in Las Vegas, and then with a bunch of his golfing buddies, they tool up with guns, and then they bust into this guy's hotel room, and I'm like, give me all my stuff back, you stole my stuff, and they go down for armed robbery. OJ's and that's 11. what he's in jail that's for. He's in jail robbery. for armed robbery. And I actually. OJ's 11. That's what it is.
1: If you pitched that to me as a TV show, <laughs> I would kick you out of the
0: room. That's insane. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El Wakil, co author of Action: The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Linewall, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we've got a special guest. We've got my oldest and dearest friend, Will, on the podcast. Uh, Luke is unfortunately still here yeah. but uh, he's not doing the admin we're going to let Will do the admin because he has quite literally listened to this show enough and then uh, I'll tell you who Will is I guess, do the admin Will
0: Okay, so obviously this is uh, the world's greatest podcast, uh, the story toolkit and uh, you should reflect the fact on the fact that it's the world's greatest podcast by going onto iTunes or Stitcher or however you get this podcast and you should give it five stars <laughs> not four stars, not three stars but five stars, trust me it'll save your marriage if you do. (laughs) Disclaimer, may not save your marriage, but please give these guys five stars. It massively helps them. It really helps them in terms of reviews, in terms of people finding the podcast, discovery, things like that. If you want to talk to them, if you want to suggest other episodes, you can go online and you can talk to them at Tumblr, at Twitter, just search for at Story Toolkit and you'll find them and yeah, you can talk to them, you can suggest episodes, you can talk about whether you think they're right, whether you think they're wrong, and they'll get back to you and be
1: lovely because they're great guys. I think you're missing the has saved my job because up until that, <laughs> I think I was truly fired. I, I, I... Oh, you missed the, the It's at the story talk. It's true. Bam, and also, and
2: also, we don't want to hear people who disagree with us.
1: We <laughs> only want an echo
2: chamber of positivity. So you're safe, Luke, for now. Um, so will we'll... <laughs> So, Will, uh, we've known each other since uh, we were five. Thirty-two years, yeah, thirty-two years now, and uh, you've gone on to be a sort of television producer of documentaries. Yeah, you do the Reggie H documentaries. Uh, There's an uh, there's a lot of stories you've told me. I don't know if you're actually. I I
0: cannot tell you all Ah. of the backstage stories, Uh, but yeah, they're they're pretty good. (laughs) I've made about uh, twenty documentary films. Um, I've been nominated for and won Royal Television Society grierson and emmy awards uh so i know a lot about documentaries but not a tremendous amount about feature films but (laughs) the way i'm useful to this podcast this week is uh i just wanted someone to talk to other than luke (laughs) just
2: just once
1: i love luke
2: I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah, it's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so we're, today we're going to talk about uh, the O.J. Simpson case. No, we're not actually talking about the case. We're talking about what was the show called? The o- People versus O.J., right? Yeah, it's called American Crime Story, The People vs. OJ. Simpson. That's what it was called. So uh, I would never have watched this show um, at all, but you told me that I should watch it because it's amazing, and I got hooked on it. And it was it was an amazing show. It's on Netflix. And then, of course, I told Luke to watch it. And then we decided we should do a podcast on it with you. So, um, so the great thing is, uh, Will uh, he knows so much about documentary making and television production that there's a lot of uh, interesting things he's going to be able to talk about that I don't just don't consider. So. Let's talk... Do you, you want to do the synopsis for the Yeah, people? I can do the So synopsis. the people versus OJ... We, do we need a synopsis for the people versus OJ?
0: It is actually the OJ case. We
1: definitely need a spoiler alert. Yeah.
0: Uh, Spoilers for OJ Simpson trial. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, just going through a synopsis of the OJ Simpson drama. It's called American Crime Story. It's a spin-off from American Horror Story. I didn't um, know that. I was
1: going that. to ask actually about the name because I've watched a lot of American Horror Story. Yeah. So it is, a sp- and it's a, I didn't a, a know lot this. of the same
0: cast as well, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. So now, it's yeah. one guy, the,
1: the one that. guy who uh,
0: who is the producer for those for American Horror Story. who's also the producer of Glee, created Glee. Okay. And you, I actually I watch Glee a lot, and you can see a lot of the beats of Glee <laughs> are like because he has a particular writing style. There's a lot of the beats of Glee in both American Horror Story and OJ Simpson, but. <laughs> Slightly off course, uh, obviously <laughs> totally unusual for this podcast to my, go down a tangent. My, <laughs> I think
1: that was a tangent worth pursuing, the similarities yeah. between Glee and American Horror Story. Well, it's yeah. all the
0: singing, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well...
0: It's yeah. the asides, it's all the like, little, <laughs> little pieces to camera where they kind of look at the camera and they're like, you're in on the joke. But anyway, so mm-hmm. the synopsis for American, uh, for American Crime Story, People vs. A.J. Simpson is... Uh, famous football star OJ Simpson hmm. may or may not have word- murdered his wife Nicole and we come coming on the first episode uh, with the big question of did he do it did he not do it we follow through his lawyers and the legal case and then we follow the whole of his trial the sort of huge extravaganza hmm. in front of the cameras uh, from uh, the the famous Bronco chase through to the end of the verdict, and we see it from oh, both the Bronco chase teams. being the the white Bronco that the car chase, the famous car chase. Right? That's right, yeah. So yeah. you follow it; it's a true story, and you follow it from from the you know the moment he comes back to his house on the night of the murder, all the way through to him being uh, well. I mean, we have said it's for the spoilers, all the way through <laughs> to him being exonerated for murder at the end. So, I gotta say,
2: uh, a friend of mine, Cedric, um, he was watching with his girlfriend. And she did not know anything about the OJ Simpson trial. And he, of course, grew up listening to Tupac and rap and all these things. So he knew everything about the OJ trial. She didn't know anything. So the episode. <laughs> They're about to sit down To watch the final episode And she goes I can't wait for him To get sent to jail <laughs> And she's really Really looking <laughs> forward to it And he's just He's like Keeping a straight face He watches it
0: He given The not guilty verdict She pauses it And starts yelling at him Like
1: what do you mean He's not guilty How
0: come he- <laughs> Well the twist of course is OJ is in a maximum Security prison And he has is. been in a Maximum security prison for, for more than a decade now
2: Has it been that long
0: Yeah 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 oh, well, He's coming up for parole It would be very timely If you put it out At the right time he's I mean, coming up for parole in about six weeks time I think oh, so wow. he may actually like get out of jail oh that's after crazy. ten years but he actually went to jail Um, it's for covered, stealing right uh, for, it's, it's a complicated story but there is an amazing documentary a seven hour documentary that won the Oscar this year oh. uh, which is called uh, the OJ Simpson story Okay. and the two came out at the same time both the both the documentary and the drama oh. and one of the things I think is a really good idea to do in this podcast is to compare and contrast the two yeah oh. Will come to the documentary. I actually
2: didn't. uh, One of the reasons I didn't know about The People vs. OJ is I thought it was the documentary. Um, I didn't really, and I'd just been put off documentaries. Because of um, making a murderer, was that the one? I love making a murderer. I know you loved it. I watched one episode. And I just when I do not need to see the rest of this play out. I don't need to see this man's life utterly ruined, um, again and again. Um,
1: okay, so it's not a problem with documentaries. Itself.
2: no, I just, <laughs> I just didn't want to get that depressed anymore. Right, you know, okay. uh, so, uh, so. But when you said it was a. It, and then it has Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, and yeah. David Schwimmer and John Travolta. Has this amazing cast. Yeah, uh, Courtney Devance. Is unbelievable. It's really good cast. And um, so I didn't. I, I I totally forgot that there was a documentary at the same time. I didn't know the documentary went all the way up. I thought it was just about the case. It's all the way up to no, his it, current. It
0: starts. Documentary starts in with when OJ is a child. And OJ is, uh-huh. is like it's, it meets OJ's childhood friends, and like they tell an anecdote about them like stealing as kids, mm. and how OJ got them out of it. And it goes all the way through to the present day, and you've got interviews with I OJ in prison. Yeah, uh, and you see him. You mm. see him now as like a seventy-year-old man, right at the end, and it covers the whole sweep of, of his life. And it goes into far more detail than the the drama does. But obviously, that is. Yeah. a big part of what was
1: the documentary called sorry
0: I think it's called I think it's called The O.J. Simpson Story I cannot right. remember off the top of my head it's part of the ESPN 30 for 30 strand
1: right
0: but it's on BBC iPlayer now and it'll be on BBC iPlayer for at least another six weeks oh, okay. and it is at the time of recording anyway and, and it's in the Storyville strand on BBC okay. cool. so if you if you're listening to this you can go on and watch it and it's in three although it was originally in, I think it was in 14 parts of half an hour right as it originally broadcast in the US In the UK, it's gone out in three parts, two, three hours, and a one and a half hour, which makes no sense at all.
1: (laughs) Very weird. Um, Okay, do you want to push on then to what we what you wanted to talk about the single um, sword first, first thing was single sword.
2: actually i want to say something i remember you talking about um serializing documentaries yeah and you said that why don't they just put the whole thing out in one go and people can just choose when to stop it. do you remember i told you yeah, yeah it wouldn't work because if you have a say a, a seven hour documentary no one's going to watch it but if you have 7 30, uh, sorry 14 30 minute ones people watch them in that chunk um and this, this thing of they, they put two, three hours An hour and a half Immediately I'm thinking No one's going to sit down And watch a three hour documentary Twice And then I did What I mean is, is A lot of people just go I don't want to spend three hours Watching the first part of a documentary that, that, The sense of just being able To tell the audience Now you can take your break yeah. When you've got something That's really long Once you're making someone Sit down for more than three hours You can't even say say you, Here's your intermission Take your break There's no
1: argument to say you're right But I feel if something's good enough and riveting enough then people will will watch it you clearly did with the two yeah
0: out. i mean i mean i was chatting to netflix recently i mean obviously from a documentary context and a producer's context mm. and they were saying that the most common way for them to for people to consume their content is to sit down and watch the whole thing yeah they're doing a huge go I, and
2: i would think you would watch the seven hour thing but it but you want to be able to tell so now you can take your break yeah it's it's what just it's almost like uh, when you go to the theater they say now's the intermission you don't let people yeah. just get up and walk out right you just so sort of say here here's your moment take your moment now to, here's your you know take as long as, long as you need then come back um, and now because people can choose well I don't want to take my break now they can carry on but um, it just feels to me if you just go here's this enormous chunk this is a huge digression, but I think yes. it
0: could work for the right show so for example really? have you seen Das Boot yes <laughs> yeah. Das Boot is this German film. I just
2: think it's a comedy name, Das Boot. Yeah, it,
0: I can't take that name seriously. I know it's like about World War II. <laughs> it's harrowing. I it's harrowing, but it's called Das Boot. It's yeah. just, it sounds, it means the boat. And it's like, I think it's about seven and a half, it's <laughs> seven, eight hours long. And yeah. you spend seven or eight hours just in a U-boat while they're getting bombed the whole yeah. time. And it's incredibly harrowing oh, and depressing. Oh. But I think if you, if, you, if you led people in and you were like, this is seven hours in a real, like, Or 24 or something like that might work for it (laughs) i'm not saying that these are good ideas i'm just saying they're ideas yeah
1: okay let's push on then so So, you wanted to talk about a single source
0: yeah Yeah. so so this documentary so the 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 drama i think massively benefits it's largely Mm. drawn and actually the documentary is drawn from this as well it's largely drawn from a single source and that single source is a book by jeffrey toobin called Mm. the run of his life yeah And it covers the trial and the trial strategies going back and forth. It's actually a relatively dry book. It's actually sort of, it's not the easiest read in the world. Mm. But it does give you this huge insight into into the trial and the personalities involved and the personalities Mm. of the defense team. And I think that by picking one source, what it gives you is it gives you this I'm sure they read like all the books around the AJ trial but by by mm. focusing on one source that gives them their kind of definitive version of quote unquote what happened right and that means that you're not kind of running back and forth between different perspectives different ideas of right. what occurred and the events and so on and so forth it it, seemed, it seems to me that when you're doing a story
2: about things that have really happened it can get really messy really quickly right because there's so much material yeah and so um you get this problem of how do you find so you, if you want to tell say a story about someone who's really lived and the real experiences and you want to try and tell that story and say uh this is what this is about you know that this this person was the worst president or this person was the best president or whatever um, you can really get lost in all the extra mm. things. So what you're saying is by focusing on this single source, it let them sort of focus, the, I guess, the spine of action, right? Focus the story, what it's about. Yeah. Because the O.J. Simpson case, uh, the, the the drama, People versus O.J., for me, although I'm sure other people, I mean, obviously you could do the, the story from just the point of view of O.J., and it's about this man's loss of his freedom, whatnot. But for me, what I never really picked up on when I was growing up, Uh, That this series made very clear, and I presume this is part of the book, which is the um, how how important the politics of race was. Mm. I didn't know Rodney King was only two years before. I remember when the the series opens with the Rodney King scene, and I it was that recent. I had no, I thought Rodney King was in the seventies.
0: No, I didn't know no. it
2: was that recent.
0: One of the great things about the I mean this this is really interesting in terms of uh, another thing which is when they pick the start point. Right. Um, so they pick the start point is is literally within hours of the murder and the context you're, yes, you're right yeah, does. The context of the race comes out later. Like it's an interesting parallel with the documentary yeah. where the, with the documentary what happens is they start back in the 60s when the when OJ's a child and mm. they cover the whole racial history of LA. So they oh, cover the right. Watts riots, they cover all of these other police Shooting. They right. cover this fascinating story about a woman who lived like four blocks from OJ, who got, who was complaining about an electricity bill, and right. the police shot her because she was complaining so like loudly about her electricity bill it's mm. so so you get that enormous racial context through it but yeah the documentary starts like 30 years beforehand mm. and it's really easy to imagine if you're picking from all different sources you know you know another thing the documentary does brilliantly is it kind of reinforces just what a big deal AJ Simpson was so like i mean uh, uh, something someone said to me was you know it would be like the oj doing a murder it would be like david beckham right. murdering victoria beckham it's like yes. that he's like that level of star that everyone knows yeah but in the drama, I think they take a very brave decision and they go, we're going to assume we're going to start just after the murder and we're going to let everything come out without exposition. There's no right. there's, there's no kind of delving back into that. And all mm. that sort of racial context and things like that comes out of natural interactions between the characters. Do you think that comes from the, that single source choice? I think it does to an extent because it's so it pulls everything into the courtroom and it pulls everything right. into the dynamics
2: of the courtroom. Right. So like ev- everything that we want to get out, all that external uh, context uh, that um, that the documentary is going to, they ha- that has to come out through the courtroom itself. We have to come th- and then it becomes part of the trial strategies. And you mm-hmm. said the book is all about the trial strategies, right? And the like the hows and whats and the of the nature of okay, they found the murder, then this happened, then this happened, this happened, this, and, this, and then boom. The, the verdict came in okay
1: that makes some sense does it I just made a couple of notes Um, having all that stuff I like the way you put it that um, it focuses it in the courtroom in a way then does it, all, all that other stuff is just like having a, this incredibly rich backstory that mm. comes out through dramatised exposition in the courtroom and the interactions mm-hmm. with lawyers and stuff. Yeah,
0: I think if you were picking from different sources you might end up in a... If you, if you were checking from the whole history of AJ which and dozens of books written about AJ yeah. I think you would end up in a situation where it became very sprawling. I mean, one of the things I almost said and I was kind of correcting myself is well, of course in the documentary they've got more time because they've got seven hours but the drama is what, 12?
2: It, isn't uh, it's it, 10, uh, episodes. 10, 10 episodes. 10 right? episodes, So there's
0: actually more... It's, so, ten, it's about 10 hours. Isn't yeah, it? there's more of the drama on the screen but mm. the documentary covers more in less time and the the documentary has this incredible granular detail to it that you just couldn't possibly do in drama because they can just say
2: yeah this is what they
0: can just deliver they don't have to dramatise
2: it because it's not a drama yeah whereas in a drama you have to dramatise exposition you have to be able to make it sort of invisible because in, the, in a documentary It's not that same sort of
0: aesthetic No, it's no a and, thing, right? uh, it's, 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 it's a different thing It's a bit different But you're still finding a story So one of the, yes, things, I lo- I, one of the things I love about this podcast Remember, rate it five stars <laughs> Is it really helps It really helps me as a storyteller As a documentary storyteller it's, The difference is of course I don't get to say what my characters say no. <laughs> you know, They will say things on camera And I just have to deal with it um, But you know uh, so, so I do think that single source massively helps um, in terms of delivering a coherent narrative, yeah. because it's really easy when you're looking at a historical story. Because inevitably there are dozens of viewpoints and different takes. Mm. Looking at a single source right. helps you focus on what are the what are the key points. And that's not to say you shouldn't read around a topic. No, but you should definitely pick one vision of what happened. Yes, and then follow that vision through. I yeah. think. Can you think of? Um, uh,
2: a documentary or a, a, a docudrama or whatever that by not taking from one source is completely all over the place.
0: Yeah, I um- it's a drama actually and it's the pacific which is the sequel to band of brothers oh and the problem with that is it went all over the problem with that is it goes all over the place so the Ah, The pacific it draws from three separate books it draws from a book called by robert leckie called my helmet for a pillow draws from a book by eugene sledge called the last of the old breed and it draws on lots of other sources as well and the problem with that is you have a situation where it's absolutely scattergun, it doesn't follow the same characters, it doesn't have the same it doesn't even have the same perspective okay. on the war so like Sledge's book is all about how it dehumanised him and how, you know, he became a monster like he was right. collecting Japanese people's teeth as trophies but <laughs> Lecky's book is all about how Lecky's book is all about how like, it was just him and his buddies and he had to get through it mm. and he had to survive, but Lecky's book is all about like humanity and how he preserved his humanity and you might think that having those two contrasting off each other might it work but certainly it does i mean it's steven spielberg producing it so it's one of those things where it works in theory but yeah. actually when you sit down it doesn't work it certainly didn't uh, work. because
2: completely. it just it just it spreads out too much um that's interesting because that is the thing that happens with people when they do fiction right they try to put all their ideas in and then it ends up being about nothing because nothing has focus anymore so this idea of you focus on one source material but you have the other materials around you so that you can incorporate those elements when it's germane. That makes a lot of is sense. It,
1: is it essentially like a controlling idea? If you have a single source, it gives you that one vision, that one it,
2: idea for th- that, Actually, that does sound like a quite analogous moment, mm-hmm. analogous uh, element. That Yeah, the, the, the idea of a single source is essentially the same as a controlling idea because obviously you can't pick it in a documentary yeah. in the same way. You have to find it and expose it. Yeah. So having a single source probably means that there's some sort of resonating theme.
0: Yeah, I so guess. often in a documentary you'll be looking for a precinct, you'll be looking for a place where you can base all the action. Right. And I think that in the same way as a controlling idea, I think, you know, you, mm. you do sometimes, you know, there's a story in there but it's mm. in, it's less about making it up in a documentary, much more about finding right. it. And so these hybrids, like um, oj i think it is very much about they have to find a story yes and it's so it's less about uh, they have to find a story and find a way of telling it right. and it's an enormous help to them to have someone else who's gone in who's wrestled with the material yeah and especially when you're translating into fiction it's quite important to get yeah. to get those you know th- those events right but of course one of the joys of fiction is, of course you're not limited to it uh, and yeah. to, to to what necessarily what actually happened.
2: It's it's it actually reminds me uh, a bit of what you know the the famous thing that Michelangelo said about sculpting yeah. which is you're removing all the bits that isn't the sculpture. It's like you have all this research and you just ha- chiseling away until you have the sculpture because all that stuff already exists whereas if you're fiction just doing pure fiction you have to first create yeah. all that material before you can pare anything away it would mm. be much more like sculpting from clay. I don't know why I'm going on this tangent.
1: My I don't know why you're looking at me for answers either. You're I, on I, your own. Yeah, I can't blame you this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I see where Bass is coming from. Essentially, you've just got this massive material. When you're coming up with a, with a. Well, you're following a true story. Yes. You're coming up with this massive. You've got this massive material in front of you. Yeah. Basically, you're just edi- picking out. Because yeah. it, it's the same thing when you film a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. You've got hours upon hours of footage, and you have to just tear out the moments. Right? And more than you've got hours of footage, you've got like enormous you've got like enormous amounts that you know and enormous amounts of stuff that could come out in voiceover or could come
1: out in mm. all right. different ways. That isn't even recorded. Out, yeah, yeah. It's working out how I to see. get that stuff on screen. I, I'd always a of the the ratio, wow, that's a part the ratio for documentary is about hundred to one, is that
0: right? Uh it varies enormously, but yeah, I mean definitely I've I've there are a lot of filming days where I've filmed for eight hours and had like a minute on screen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Do you want to push on them because you wanted to talk about the cast, didn't
0: you? Well, the cast and the characters because it's it's yeah. it's less about it's about so so a big part of this whole single source thing is about picking out who your key characters are and the right. key moments. Uh, when they the key moments when when they do something I- incredible. So a great example in People versus OJ is this this incredible scene, which is you would never write it, you would never write it because it's so mad. Where they're bringing the jewelry around OJ's house, and mm. so what Johnny Cochran, who's the defense lawyer, does <laughs> yeah. is he clears out because OJ is a total douchebag and he's got like porn <laughs> pictures on his walls. And what he does is he like goes in and he cleans out OJ's house and he afros it up because he knows it's a black jury so he fills it with like African art. And, and pictures like, of his mum. Pictures of OJ hugging his mother yeah. and he he like he has this the most egregious example is he, in the living room he hangs up this huge poster of a normal Rockwell painting. Of um, a school, a 1950s famous, Alabama yeah. school boycott, where like a little black girl is being escorted into a mixed school yes. by um, by white cops, and that really happened. Yes. Johnny Cochran really did that. Yes. The jury really turns up at the house, and yes. the defense team are like. What have you done to this house? This isn't OJ's house. And Cochrane just styles it out in real life and is like, Puh. you know, he decided to remodel. You know, yeah. it's his house. He can do what he likes. He can do
2: what he wants. And so yeah. they remodeled that whole house. And of course, OJ hated it.
0: Oh, yeah. Of course, he hated it. OJ really hated well, it. OJ's well. catchphrase was, I'm not black. I'm OJ. That yeah. never comes out, I don't think, in the documentary ever. No. I don't think he ever says it. Does he never say that? <sighs> I
2: don't think
0: he does. He says something like that at one point but this is because there are times
2: where people call him white and you know they say he's being too white like he's not really black yeah that that happens in the but no maybe he doesn't say that but
0: apparently apparently like this comes out of the book this comes out in the documentary OJ's catchphrase when he talked about being whenever anyone brought up race he Mm. would always say I'm not black I'm AJ, yeah, because he didn't see him in many ways. He didn't see himself as black, right? And that comes out quite subtly in the um, in in the show. And we, we talk yeah. about like a great moment, but the key to that moment and the characters they're picking is yeah. that is a that is an event that occurred, right? Yes. And so they, when you're doing that scene as a writer, you have to get the characters who are, who are yeah. functionally fictional characters is not how the real people reacted yeah you all know how the real people reacted on the day because you've got their accounts and their and yeah. their recollections and sometimes you've got videotape right sometimes yeah but in this but you may not want to use that videotape no you may not you may want to have people do it differently yes um, so, so it's all about how your characters reacted I mean scene. there's
2: definitely an exaggeration of uh, emotion um, in the drama. Because if you watch the actual speeches, because it was all videotape, yeah. it was all videotape, so it was all live. So you can watch the actual speeches, and of course, in the show, the actors are more tearful, they're more raging, they're more this. Whereas in the videotape, they're nowhere near as raging or as anything. It's not. It's not the same. Yeah, they are. There's, different- a great, there's sort of an exaggeration, but we kind of it seems okay. You know, that they're, they're expressing something mm-hmm. that's inside these people that you can. You know that they. They kind of had a lid on.
0: Yeah, so so that, I mean that was that's just an example of like a great hist- like, like historical the, moment. And you but never there are loads, there moment. are loads of moments like that in that right. show.
2: I the first one for me was when Johnny Cochran starts arguing over the number of hairs they're going to take off OJ's head, and I was just. <laughs> <laughs> What you're gonna argue over their hairs taken? And they're like, no one's ever asked this. Like they're supposed to go fishing for his hairs and all that kind of stuff. And I was that, and I just thought that's brilliant
0: because like that's the thing that you would never. You would never think of. So one of the things I think is really interesting about it is the way they chose who they were going to focus on in the documentary. Because the defense team and the prosecution team are both quite big. I was
1: going to bring this up because for a show called "The People vs. OJ," there's actually very there's there's a lot less of OJ on screen than you might imagine. Because yeah, he's in impre- you know, he's, yeah. he's locked up for, for vast bits of the show. So you focus instead on the defense team. On the, it, I would
2: uh, I, I would also think like the most interesting um, part of the show is the defense team, right? Because you have David Schwimmer's character, uh, Kardashian. Yeah, you have Courtney B Vance's um, uh, Johnny John Cochran, Copping. John Travolta Shapiro. Uh Nathan Lane is I forget. It is. Bailey. Yeah. Bailey. Uh and you have these f- Evan and, uh, Handler. Uh, Evan Handler as well, Ronkel. Uh, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> Evan Handler plays um uh D- Dershowitz. Yeah Dershowitz. Right? <laughs> and you've got those five characters and
0: you only have really two on the prosecution, right? Yeah. yeah you have you, um But it's interesting who they foreground of the defence team, right? Mm. So they so so they they minimize Dershowitz's part. They minimize oh, do um that. The other guy, the DNA guy, Barry Schenk they yes, minimise his part as well. Now, if you actually look at the trial, pretty much the guy who won it was Schenk right? So the it's DNA Schenck guy. hitting the DNA and just completely racking the DNA on the stand. right? And it is also Johnny Cochran doing the police brutality, the whole racial element to the trial. What about the glove? The glove stuff, that comes out of... Um, Shapiro, right? Well, Shapiro spots it. It's really interesting. And Cochrane's the one who does. Yeah, but it, But right? the Cochrane's the one who actually does it, and and they kind of make the trap and Bailey. They, you know, they make the point that Bailey is the guy who sees how to make the trap. Yes. For yes. them to put the glove on and all that kind of thing. Yes. But 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 they really foreground Cochrane as like, and Shapiro uh, in much bigger characters yes. than Dershowitz or Schenkar. Yes. And and uh, you, but that was that was a decision that they made. You, right? the, 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 makers, the writers yes. the writers decided we 're going to focus on cochrane we 're going to focus on Shapiro and we 're right. going to minimize these other people in the trial who who are less important like Bailey is like a secondary character compared mm. to them, even though he was the guy who who did the Foreman testimony he got Foreman to perjure himself on the stand you mean Fur- Furman Furman yeah, Furman yeah
2: yeah
0: and there's a really interesting there 's a lot of interesting character stuff they do with that so with Furman. They, uh... sorry, Furman's been ruined for me because uh, I was watching an an episode
2: of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and uh, Frank, Frank, Danny DeVito's character just says, uh, "They'll stitch me up like they did that hero cop, Mark Furman." (laughs) <laughs> like, I I'd seen that gag so many times but then I I watched it afterwards you know O.J. Simpson he just says that line and I started crying with a
0: so I didn't know who Mark Furman was. I'm was like, oh my <laughs> is is a... <laughs> One of the things that's really interesting about the um about the documentary is they have all of the cops in it. Mm. And the way they introduce them in the documentary is amazing because they have the L uh, the what oh, on sh- the scene of the crime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well no, they show the Watts riots and without introducing them as the cops from the OJ thing, they talk to them about their experiences in the Watts riots and they are like dropping the N-bomb left, right and centre and they're like, oh I beat this guy within an inch of his life, I was raring oh, to go Oh, is this in the documentary? In the documentary, yeah Okay. So yeah. they introduce them without the nameplates and you see them being absolutely terrifyingly racist about the Watts riots when they're telling the story of the Watts riots Right. and it's only an episode later when they get on to investigating the crime that you realise it's all these guys who you have Sat there in your chair and go, God, these guys are massive racists. Oh, no, the ones. Yeah. And then And then it comes out. So the way they do it in the documentary is completely different to the way they do it in the in film. In the so
2: drama, they start them off, they seem like just regular normal detectives, right? Yeah. And I thought I, I, they had their Columbo moment. Yeah. Where he calls up O.J. and he says, You're, you know, Nic- uh, Nic- uh, Nic- uh, Nicola's dead. And uh, he goes, okay, and it's like, can you come? So, yeah. And he hangs up and he goes... He didn't ask why she di- how she died. And that, that's the Colum- That's the bit where if OJ was a Columbo story, Columbo goes, he "Didn't ask. He didn't ask how she died." Um, but the thing is that so the, it's interesting because if you start off with the cop seeming normal and it adds a lot of legitimacy mm. to the to the their their case, and then you see it unravel. So. Um, And I I would think that that then the idea that this racism is
0: under the surface really plays into how people were looking at the trial, right? So the first time you see that racism in the drama is you see... Uh, the black prosecutor is really worried about putting Furman on the stand. Yes. Marsha, the female prosecutor, is like, I don't know, are you worried? You've got a great record. Mm. Don't worry about it. It'll work. It'll hold up. And the black prosecutor is saying, I just don't trust him. There's just something off about him. I don't know what it is. And then they cut to Furman yes. polishing his Nazi medals. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's how yeah. you know And And I don't. Even know if Furman actually collected Nazi memorabilia, like I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's true. Wasn't
2: that I I thought that was one of the things that they used in the trial to discredit him? Was he collects because they pointed out you collect memorabilia, uh, but he only collects it from the Nazis. He doesn't collect. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Like, I. I think I... he says that. Either that, or I'm thinking of an episode of Father Ted with the Nazi priest. Entirely possible. <laughs> I might be where I've got that actually, because that is a gag in Father Ted actually, where he goes, "I've got some of that World War Two memorabilia from the Allies side." So from the Allies, no, I don't care about the Allies. So, no, I don't want that stuff. And he's a proper full-on Nazi.
1: Yeah, I think you'll. That might be what yeah. I'm
0: thinking of. Uh, so, so it's a great. game. Okay. <laughs> The thing is, it's a great scene in the in the drama because you've just got this scene where, it, and it made me. It's this great kind of cutaway, yes. Where no one says anything. It's ex, it's it is it could be exposition, but it's not. You're it, you're you're showing a scene. Yes. And it's like They're playing like this. I think he's playing Wagner on the stereo <laughs> and polishing his Nazi medals, and and it's showing you. You know the the black prosecutor is completely right. Yes. Furman it's, is a liability. It's a great
1: counterpoint to the yeah. line that he says, like, because they cut away to it. Yeah, I remember the cut. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's interesting that they made that choice to to yeah. of the and, character and they foreground Furman and, an and also there's the, rather than the other cops who also have terrible racist records right. as well. But they picked Furman because they knew that he was going to be like the villain in a way. Yeah. And and also I would have thought like a lot of their choices
2: depend on who they can cast, right?
0: Yeah. Because John Travolta was also the
2: producer of the show. He's one of the producers. So, um, obviously, he's helped put the money up for it, and he wants a a role. So I'll be Shapiro. He looks like Shapiro, Shapiro, though. He's terrifying as Shapiro. Who can can he play? Well, he can't play Johnny Cochran, obviously. Who can he play... (laughs) I can play Shapiro I want to play Shapiro whatever so he plays Shapiro it's like well Shapiro's going to have more to do now and John Travolta is amazing in Mm. this show they are all brilliant
1: Wikipedia was used more during the watching of this show in our house really yeah Hannah like every time somebody came up so Shapiro she looked him up because when Travolta came on screen I was like man those are some fake eyebrows and I wondered why they'd done it (laughs) And then she showed me a picture of Shapiro. I was like, "Oh my god, he has <laughs> yes, to look it's like so that." Good. Yes, look. But all, yeah, all the characters look amazing. Yeah,
0: I mean, like the the shock of like white hair that they put into uh, David Schwimmer's hair say to play Kardashian. Oh, yeah. Kardashian. And they, I was talking earlier about how it's similar to Glee, and there is a, definitely a point. <laughs> there are points where. He does all these like great little nods to the future, where like there's yeah. a brilliant scene where they go to a restaurant, yes, and they yeah. get the only reason they get the table at the restaurant is because Kardashian gets recognised as the guy from the AJK, yes. and and he tries to tell his kids because you know that you're you're with him, yeah. you, you like him as a character, yeah. and he sits down, and he's like, no kids, remember, you know, being famous isn't important, but you know they give this great cutaway to the little girl Kim Kardashian, and she's like, but he got us whatever he wants. <laughs> <see." laughs>
1: that I, I mean, yeah. the show I do the show, with that's <laughs> Like episode one or two, it's I very think, early on, where, yeah. yeah when, when I saw that scene, I, I kind of clapped it. I was like, I <laughs> the writers get it, they yeah. love you, whatever you do for the rest of the show. I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> talking about uh, Kardashian, when you talk about this, uh, you know, picking the single source yeah. and focusing the story, uh, the, the, the docudrama on this thing, one of the th- choices that I loved, and that can't have been in the run for his life. Yeah. Um, is the watching of Kardashian come to the conclusion OJ did it.
0: Oh, no, that does actually get covered in the book. Is that in the book? Yeah, because by the end of it, Kardashian... They, they were really worried about Kardashian, like, flipping effectively. So there's a great scene later oh, on where Oh, because it's he,
2: part of the trial. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Where basically if Kardashian steps down from the defence team... Okay. He's basically going to convict OJ... Right, And there's a real worry that Kardashian would step down because he just completely lost faith in AJ and thought AJ did it. And so he has, has, I thought, one of the best uh, bits of reasoning for that, which
2: was the whole, it's the most televised case in human history. Everyone's eyes are on it and there are no other suspects. There is not one other suspect, even if the cops fabricated all this stuff, there's still no other person who could have done it. And I just thought, ah, that makes
0: that's. You know what? This is maybe like a really weird, a re- really weird kind of view. But I definitely would have voted not guilty if I'd been on that jury. You told me about this, yeah. Yeah, based on the evidence that came before me, yes. in that jury room. Yeah, I definitely would have voted. I would because there's uh, so much you don't see. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: as part of that jury, you just wouldn't have seen. There's so many things. Yeah. You would have just seen uh, the the ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, Way the cops just destroyed the crime scene and just spread the DNA everywhere. They they exact and, and
0: if there was like one drop of blood, they exaggerated it to a vial of blood yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They destroyed every and possibility. Thurman going on the stand and taking the fifth over and over and yep. over again about faking the evidence, about yep. using the N word, everything that is just so devastating to the police's credibility. Mm. So, you know, and, and the line they're always using in the trial is, the line they're always using in the trial is like, why didn't you go after the real perpetrators? And outside yeah. the courtroom, of course, Kardashian can see that there yeah. is no other perpetrator, right? Mm. But in that pressure cooker of the, and there's a really yeah. great episode of the... Um, the jury, yeah. The, where, where it is all about the jury and the drama. Yeah. Which was, the- I, I was actually, i just come off
2: jury duty and then I watched O.J. Simpson and I just sat there and I thought There's, I would not have put up with so much of this and also there was this thing of I, one of the cases that we had because I did two uh, one of the cases that we had was it, it was it was hilarious this burglar had stolen a bunch of stuff from someone's house including a very obvious like there was a hunting knife a black hunting knife and it was very unique and he was arrested with that in his car okay, like within two days of the robbery. So immediately, he's a convicted bug, he's been convicted twice before, he's clearly not guilty, but how did he get the knife? And we in the deliberation, we did the thing, and the three of us were convinced he was guilty, and everyone else thought he'd done it, but they didn't have enough evidence to convict him. And I said, what more evidence do you need? He had the knife, and they're going, what about fingerprints, what about this? And I'm like, he had the knife, there's no what other possibilities there for the knife? And so people came up with all these theories and I went, everyone in this room has a better story for how he got the knife than he
0: does. Because his story was terrible. What well, I'm is that them. Bass would totally have convicted AJ. I think I might have. That's,
2: <laughs> that's where I was going with that story. I have a feeling I would have sat there and
1: gone, there's no other suspects. After the acted. opening statements as well. Get <laughs> <laughs> um, out I have a question about um, the, these choices because I really love yeah. the idea of having um, like real events and making choices yeah, yeah. As, as, as as writers. Um, other than you mentioned the defense team, because you've uh, read the book, are, are there any other examples of things that they omitted or took uh, or put to the?
0: Yeah, a really back? good um, a really good example is they like they really minimise the role of Kato Kalin in the in the documentary. Like he's in it, but you don't really see him on the stand. Cato, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Kato Kalin is like he's the he's the guy who share he was like living on OJ's property. Oh him the like beach bomb okay. dude. Yep, yep, yep. Like his testimony was a big I forgot, deal. I forgot his name was Kato. Kato Kalin, yeah. He was a big deal in the trial. Like yeah. it was everyone something everyone remembers about the trial, but they really minimised it. Mm. There's a whole thing where they cast like one of the other prosecutors and then he passes out on day one during the opening statements. Okay. Right now, what actually happened was he was back on the job like very shortly afterwards. But they used that as an as, oh, yeah, as, as like yeah, a there beat. There was
2: the other process. Who was the who was who's the, who the actual He's
0: like a big fat dude. who's like a second who, who banana the, in everything. Who? I can't remember his name. Oh, I've forgotten who it was who who played him. But he's he's one of those like guys who's like in everything as like a fat sheriff. Okay. <laughs> I love
2: I love that guy, and I can't remember who it is.
0: But basically, yeah, so he's he in reality he is like back to work fairly swiftly afterwards. Yeah. Like you know, it does happen. Mm. But so they amp up that moment in the drama, okay. and then they write basically use that as the kind of like the shovel, the the shoot to kind of like mm. escape him from the plot.
2: Okay,
0: um, Carcetti, the mayor, Gil Carcetti was no, not the mayor. The the DA was much yeah, more you're involved. thinking of the wire. No, sorry. Is his name not Karketi? In The Wire, he's called Karketi. I think he's got a really similar name. He's called, like, Gil... Gil something. Gil it? Kark- I think he is g- called car Kark- I don't think it's Karket. It's something right. like that. So
1: the, D- uh, the DA is in the mm-hmm. boss of... The, the- boss
0: of Marsha and so <laughs> yeah. on. So he wasn't in the trial, but he was much more the involved. Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, he yeah, was his a, much more involved in the in the real thing. Yeah, Like he was he in was front good. of the cameras. He was great in it. Mm. Um, there's an amazing scene in the drama where he's like, God, this is the worst news I've ever had. It's even worse than when I got diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> Apparently that's a real line that he really said. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he's he's fantastic in the... he's a huge huge part of the um yeah he's a huge part of the documentary like he's the in many ways he delivers a huge amount of the prosecution case in the documentary Mm. but they've made choices about who to put in the front and who to draw to back. and in the documentary one of the things that's really interesting is of course they haven't got the same range that you have in the drama because Mm. for example johnny cochran is dead so they couldn't interview johnny cochran it's a
1: good moment to get onto the documentary properly so um uh just carrying yeah. with what you were saying yeah. about characters in the documentary, or sorry, real people. Yeah.
0: So, so in the drama, uh, they, you know, Johnny Cochran is right at the front, yes. is right front and center. Um, Robert Shapiro is front and center, yes. and they can do that because because they're dead. And in many ways, that makes writing about writing fictional stories about them easier Shapiro's because dead? they can't see. I think, see. I think like. Shapiro's dead, think dead as well. He certainly isn't in the documentary. Oh, okay. And so the so one of the things that's really interesting is in the documentary is. The prosecution case comes mm. out from Marsha Clark, uh, who's the woman who is the lead in the drama. Yeah, she was she was wonderful. I had I th- I loved how they focused on
2: how everyone commenting on her looks was that, just breaking her. That oh. happened though. That's it? real. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It happened. Yeah,
0: but I just I liked I liked seeing that. And again, it's it's about these choices you make. One of the things I found really interesting about it is. Mm. Um, I was listening to your podcast last week, rated five stars, and (laughs) I... I uh, I noted your you know your point about coincidence in real life. Like you can get away with coincidence in real life. Yeah. You can get away, but it's not just coincidence you can get away with in real life. So if you were doing if you were writing OJ from the whole cloth, you were just creating it. I don't think you would ever put in a moment mm. where Marsha Clark is going through a divorce, like a contentious divorce, while yes. doing the AJ case. And you certainly wouldn't put in the bit where her ex husband leaks naked pictures of her to the press because right. you would just be like, this is too much. I yeah it it feels like why am I doing
2: that yeah what's the point behind this and everything but and of course in this uh in this one they they it makes a lot it, it's i mean it's coincidence in a sense but it's it's i mean it's set up yeah there's insight into it and everything you get, it makes do you, sense
1: uh, uh, do you think there's anything any moments they had to take out because it was so coincidental or unbelievable, or do you think there's a there's a um Uh, Because it's based on real life, they can get away with it.
0: I think it's more than they can get away with it. I think that they feel you you feel like there's like an almost like an obligation to put the most extraordinary moments on screen. I I
2: agree. There is a sense of if you do something, you, you can't to remind people this really happened, you do a thing that almost makes no sense at all but you you just say this this is the thing that really did happen particularly if it's a, it's a, well, if it's well known mm. but that's one of the things that they do in Fargo which is not based on a real thing but there's a scene in Fargo where Frances McDormand's Marge she has a she has a a, a dinner with an old school friend and he breaks down crying remember that yeah, scene yeah 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 that why is that scene there it's like to trick you into thinking it's a true story because it makes no sense, that scene. At all. It's got nothing to do with anything. The barest slimmer uh, uh, that it has anything to do with anything is that fr- uh, that Marge is unprepared for people's depravity. And it's setting up the idea that Marge will not survive... Um Peter Stromer's killer. interesting. That's the only possible reason that's there, right? That there's this, she's just, she doesn't know how, she doesn't expect these things to happen. And when it
0: does happen, she just kind of is like, no, I think you should sit over there, and that's it. It, gives but you it doesn't a little make bit any of, sense. It gives you a little bit of her being so devoted to her husband. It does because he's kind of cracking onto her. It does, but the it's it,
2: thematically, it's just this bizarre scene out of nowhere and involves this characters like what? So, like, well, it's to trick you. <laughs> it's kind like, of remind you like, hey, here's a wacky thing, but this is a true story, right? Because you th- you're watching the film, you think it's a true story, so you buy
0: that this is something that really happened. But that is the Coen brothers all over, right? That's like, the Coen. brothers, yeah. they're crazy,
2: but um but it's but you i think you're right there is a sort of obligation to show
0: the sort of the chaos yeah the insanity of it so things like um Cochrane turning up at the verdict with the nation of islam guys like <laughs> flanking him things like when the bronco chase is going on people would like f- like filling the freeway with like free like run juice run yeah banners right. and stuff like that run, like juice. So the thing I think is incredible about it is 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 you you're kind of obliged you're obliged to put in some of the crazy stuff, but not all of it. No, and I do think there's a tendency among among um, certainly people who are adapting factual things, mm. um, and you see this a lot on like ITV dramas. Like there's a really bad ITV and uh, no, BBC dramas. There's a really bad version of the Shannon Matthews kidnapping recently with Sheridan Smith in it. Okay. Anyway, I watch a lot of BBC dramas. Yeah. Then, they're often bad. <laughs> like don't analyse them for the podcast. Um, <laughs> but essentially the problem was they just crammed they, they feel like they have to keep everything in mm. they don't want to lose anything so so as much of we're talking about the the, the making the sculpture Yeah, it's deciding what to take out is really important it's yes. deciding what to keep in so for example because you um, just have
2: so much more material you have so
0: much more material so the documentary yeah. coming back to Leek's original point the documentary has all of this stuff in it where so for example there's this huge segment where they establish just how racist the cops were right. they establish Establish how there's a whole half hour on just how how much of a household name OJ was because we don't remember it, but it shows you like OJ on like effectively like comic relief. It shows you OJ like doing the Hertz commercials, and there's like a good 15 minute bit which is just about it's like famous young black people going. The first time I saw a black man on television was Was, was OJ Simpson, yeah, and he was he was running through the airport for Hertz, and it wasn't just. I was looking at that and going... And, and it shows you not just what a big star OJ was, but how important he was yeah. to black Americans as, like, the guy who made it. And it shows you, like, all the things you've forgotten you, about you OJ, mentioned- like his scenes in The Naked Gardens. Right, like yeah. And you mentioned as well that, um, that, that about the sports. Yeah. He is... There's a whole... Obviously, it's on ESPN. So I think there was like... A, there, was, there was like a point in the documentary where they were like, you are going to put some sports in this, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll put some sports in it. And there's a there's a whole episode which is all about what an incredible sportsman OJ was. Mm. And there is a, there are scenes where, like, he runs faster sideways than I can run forward. <laughs> and it's... You're watching it. And I, I can't stand sport. I can't stand anything with a ball, really. Possible exception, rugby league. But basically... <laughs> That's for your wife. For my wife. That's so for your wife. <laughs> yeah. But basically, yeah, my wife loves rugby league. Um, I'm going to cut that bit out. Yeah, we can cut that. But it, essentially... <laughs> I'm so So... Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible athlete, and when I, and when I say an incredible athlete, he's like such a specimen of physical perfection that Pete, You watch it, and it is literally unbelievable. So yeah, you're riveted, even though you don't don't like, don't like sports. Yeah, there's this incredible bit as well where he's like running. I think he's got to be the first person to run ten thousand yards. <laughs> In a season, right, and that is a huge milestone So he's already broken the record at this point uh, Which was like 9,700 But he's going for the 10,000 For the Mm. kind of like, the milestone Mm. And and his team Are playing against the New York Jets Right Mm. And the Jets fans are cheering, like, you know, it's like proper (laughs) football rivalry stuff. But the Jets fans are cheering OJ because they want OJ to get the 10,000. And that's how beloved he was. Like, I cannot imagine a sports star now Mm. who is so loved that the other team would cheer him on to break a record. He was so beloved. And the documentary decides to put that in. But there's Mm. none of that in the drama. And I think that is totally the right decision. Yeah. Why is yeah. that? Why is that the right decision? I think it's the right decision because I think they made exactly the right decision because it's 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 called the People versus OJ. It's mm. about the trial right. and what came before. Like you could have easily started with an episode that just established OJ and established his wife and him being a sports star, mm. and maybe episode one would end with him like meeting Nicole, and episode mm. two would establish their like terrible abusive relationship mm. and his him being a star and becoming friends with right. Robert Kardashian. But they they decide. Decided, like like they it's like um, this is a really wanky metaphor but it's like OJ's life is like a frozen river and they've decided where to knock the holes in and like take the story oh, okay. out from underneath it right so they decided where in this whole tapestry of a person's yeah. life they were going to go in mm. and they decide where they're going out as well so as I say the yeah. documentary carries on afterwards you get the civil trial right. where they, they actually catch OJ in an incredibly brilliant like Columbo way where oh, it's yeah. all to do with his like with these, like, rare shoes he has. Yeah, this is (laughs) great. And and the National Enquirer, like, proved that he had rare, unique, handmade shoes. And he denies he ever had the shoes. And then the National Enquirer, like, talks to everyone who was at every sports stadium in the world <laughs> and has just, like, normal snaps that happen to have OJ in and they were able to prove he had the shoes. Yeah. And essentially that's how he gets caught. So he gets caught on, like, rare handmade
1: shoes. Yeah. So he loses... That's how, that's how he lost the symbol. Yeah. Because of the shoes. The reason he's in prison now. No, no, no.
0: Because no. no. he doesn't go to prison for that. He loses the civil case and basically all of his money gets sent to the... Fa- all of his money gets sent to the, yeah. um, the, the, the Goldman family in particular. Get a huge amount of the money.
2: Because in America, once uh, you've been uh, convicted or said you know, that you're not guilty of a crime, double jeopardy kicks in and you can't be uh, arrested for the same crime.
1: I yeah I, yeah. I, I which do you know I do because know of... they, no there's a there's a there's a good joke I like in Thirty Rock yeah yeah and because it's like I'm gonna sue you you can't sue me I'm already being sued double indemnity <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. So, but
2: um so he can't he couldn't be put on trial again but they took him to civil court and oh, they proved he did yeah, yeah. civil
0: court it's also a lower standard they of proof. proved they, they proved he was the murderer that's why he had to pay them all the money yeah, yeah. what yeah civil so they court. so they convinced the th- yeah yeah. And they sue him for, like, wrongful endangerment or something. Yeah. And they win. And oh the, and the damages. In civil court, they're able to prove... Yeah, yeah. Like, Patty Hughes gets him. Yeah. Right. yeah. right. So it's top-notch stuff. But then he doesn't go to jail for that. And he's still living. And the documentary yeah. follows him afterwards... And afterwards, he's making like he's making a reasonable amount of money, and he signs loads of stuff. And he's got loads of memorabilia, but because anything he has, the Goldman family can seize from him, he hides all of his stuff in storage lockers all over the place. Right? Okay, and he loses track of some of these storage lockers, and like storage hunters style guys, like get hold of the storage lockers, and then there's like a guy selling OJ stuff on the black market, like, and and it's big stuff. It's like his ball that he had when he rushed to 10,000 yards is one of the things that's at stake in this whole thing and OJ finds out that the black market memorabilia dealer in la- is in Las Vegas and then with a bunch of his golfing buddies they tool up with guns and then they bust into this guy's hotel room and I'm like give me all my stuff back you stole my stuff and they go down for armed robbery OJ's and that's 11. what he's in jail that's for he's in jail robbery. for armed robbery and I actually OJ's 11 that's what, that's <laughs> yeah. 11. That's what it
1: is if you, if you pitch that to me as a TV show <laughs> I would kick you out of the room that's
0: insane yeah so they, but in the drama, in the drama they end it really well with this party where OJ's trying to go back to his normal life and everyone's really cold to him and no yes. one wants to deal with him because they all know he's a murderer, right? Yes. So that's how the TV show ends. And I think, again, they made totally the right decision by, well, by they picked the segment. Yes.
1: The, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, show's, uh, the show's a crime story but it's a social drama and yeah. it focuses on the social drama. Yes. Um, uh, and, and as we talked about in the podcast before, they're both about justice, but yeah. it's, it's got to be the reason that they start just after the crime, yes. because this is a crime show and they've, you know, yeah. they've got this, uh, so they're have you got So they using the crime to frame this social drama. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when the trial ends, show's over, yeah. so we don't need the rest of it. It's not the OJ story, you're right, it's the people versus OJ. And, and it's interesting
2: because the they, they have to cast OJ bit as a victim. To get that to work now, at all, didn't right?
1: you tell me that they did multiple takes?
2: They did. So, Cuba Gooding Jr. did uh, the show twice, basically. He, did the, he would do takes as innocent, and then he'd do takes where he was guilty. And then he let the director pick and choose which takes
0: he did. See, I would love it if they released an alternate version. Where you could, no, seriously, I'd love to watch alternate versions where you could watch his entire innocent performance and his entire guilty performance. And I, it, the, dra- the documentary great. is so good. I would totally watch I, it again. I would, I would certainly watch certain bits. Which, which do you think they used?
2: They used both, all the way through. Really? Yeah, yeah they,
0: you can really tell. There's a great scene there's when he's in jail, sense, yeah. he's playing poker in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays poker, and there's one take where it's very clear that he's playing it as innocent OJ. And yes. there's another take where it, they, they cut away to him and Kardashian on their own, and it's very clear there he's playing guilty yeah. OJ.
2: I mean, he might have, the, the director and the editors might have actually had a choice in mind where... When he's with certain characters, he's innocent. Yeah, with other yeah. characters, he's guilty. And, and it's so, based but, on their perception. Mate. Right, it might be. But th- that's that's how Cuba Gooding did, which I thought was interesting because they didn't... You, Cuba Gooding, at some point, because that was his idea as far as I'm aware, Cuba Gooding must have thought, it's not my job to make the audience empathise with OJ. It's I, That's not the role I'm playing. Uh, you're supposed to empathise with Kardashian, you're supposed to empathize with um, uh, Marsha Clark and and Chris Dunn and all those guys. I'm not supposed to be empathized with. I'm this, I'm almost the MacGuffin. Yeah. And so as a result, I have to play this in a certain way. So he did it both ways, and it doesn't matter if.
0: The director makes it so that you don't empathise with OJ because that's not the role. One of the that things that's really interesting in the documentary that you really see, and this is something that they didn't do, and it's to do with Cuba Gooding Jr.'s performance, mm. is in the documentary, you see a huge amount of the courtroom footage. And one of the things that really struck me, and actually Marsha Clark reflects mm. on this in the documentary, is OJ was such a presence in the courtroom. Right. Because in, in the drama, They're all quite attractive people. Yes. Right? And they're they're all sort of, you know... They're they're movie stars. They're all movie stars, right? They're all attractive people. But in the courtroom, everyone else is kind of a bit lumpy and strange looking because they're all lawyers. (laughs) And OJ is so handsome. Like, so (laughs) handsome. And he's so big as well. So OJ is like... He was a football player and he hasn't lost his physique. He's been working out in jail. He's like easily 6-6 six, six. Mm. and so OJ just towers over everyone and he's a mm. constant presence right. in the courtroom and Marshall Clark said that was one of the hardest things about prosecuting the case was yeah. the fact that he was there, and the kind of the avatar, the yeah. icon of OJ was in there, and overcoming all that yeah. love for him was so difficult.
2: And she would have really felt that, considering how people were attacking her because of her hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, of all
0: things. But I do think it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating that that's the one thing that they, that in some ways, the drama doesn't capture. That, that like, the sheer physical presence. And I don't, right. you don't know if you ever could, no. but that sheer presence well, I don't think of OJ. Cuba
2: isn't like six six or whatever. I don't
0: know. what I mean, I don't
2: know how he's doing. If he's even really wanted wonderful, it. when I stop and think about how good he is as OJ but yeah he's yeah he, that presence is there yeah, in the same yeah.
1: way um okay let's start trying to tie all these strands together then um, I think it might be worth just uh, popping back over a few of the points yeah, sure. if you wouldn't mind just summing up uh, again so uh, we mentioned single source first yeah. so what if we're going to take something away for our writing
0: yeah uh, I think if you're telling a true story then it's a good idea to come to a single a single historical source read around it by all means get the get the other others perspectives but keep coming back to one single source for your kind of spine of what really happened mm. in inverted commas, right because everyone's viewpoint on historical events is different like mm. if you read if you read a german account of d day and a british account of d day and an american account of d day they're all completely different right, right? so pick one source Follow that one, follow that one source's interpretation of what happened. And that will be an enormous help in guiding and planning your story Mm. and explaining the story to other people because it gives you that, gives you that, that anchor to keep coming back to, to go, Mm. this is what happened. This is the order things happened in. These are the important moments. These are the important characters. Okay. So that's, that's single source, like pick Mm. a single source, follow the single source.
1: Mm. Uh, excellent, thank you. What about the cast then?
0: The cast is is in a historical. In, you know, when you're writing from a historical, like of a thing that really happened, don't feel that you have to keep everyone in. You can mm. minimise some people and push them to the back, but do pick certain characters and pull them to the front, yeah. and 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 make sure that those people at the front are are the best characters to tell the whole story. Yeah, and 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 you know you, you know and and bear in mind that you are you're not writing slavishly from the history. You can adapt things. You can move things around. Mm. You can put words that somebody else says in a different person's mouth within that frame, as long as it's still true to the to the essence of the story. Because you're you're not you're not you know, you want to create a sort of an actuality, not a reality. Right. Yeah. So you're not making a documentary when you're doing this as a drama. Mm. You're you are creating a version of events. And you don't have to stick slavishly to oh oh but they that individual never said that, so
2: you you made you were making a point about how with a documentary you don't get to choose your cast, right? Yeah. Um, well you or rather you do but you can't choose who's actually gonna show up some people are dead, and so on. Uh, whereas uh, you get to choose your events. Wasn't yes. that how you phrased it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: The events you cover.
2: Yeah, you get to choose your events, but you can't choose necessarily who's going to be in them.
0: Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting about the documentary, which I would recommend you, you go and watch, because it's mm. just a brilliant documentary, is all of the Cochrane stuff comes through Cochrane's assistant, who has a very, very minor part in the drama. He's, like, in it, but he's, like, in the meetings, Mm. being quiet and shuffling papers. He's got, like, five lines or something... But everything comes out of that guy in the in the documentary and he is an amazing character. He's just as much as a, of a like a wide boy as Cochrane is. He's hilariously <laughs> when he's, funny. When you
1: say everything comes out, you mean the ideas.
0: No, all of the all of the Cochrane stuff, all of the content, all of the context of who Cochrane was, of what Cochrane was doing, all of the viewpoint right. of Cochrane, comes from Cochrane's assistant right. in the documentary. And Cochrane's assistant is absolutely hilarious. Like <laughs> there's this great bit we talking we talking about earlier on we're talking about how the house has been like fully afroed, and he marcia clark tells the story and she's like oh you know you know we we went in and we confronted them and she tells it in a very matter-of-fact way and then it cuts to the assistant and the assistant's like so marcia clark walks up to me and she says what have you done to this house this isn't oj's house and he goes and he puts on this like really over-the-top voice and he goes and oj and you know johnny talks turns around to her and he goes marcia what on earth are you accusing me of? I have done nothing, you know. And he just he just styles it out so brilliantly. He knew his boss so well that he he's able to deliver that stuff. But obviously as a drama, you would never just put that pull that guy to the front because he's the living, he's the one living dude. <laughs> right. yeah, of course. The yeah. other thing that's interesting about the drama in that regard is they couldn't get the black prosecutor. The black prosecutor will not speak to them in the drama, in the documentary rather. So, documentary. Yeah. In the documentary, the black prosecutor, oh, Chris, Darn. Chris Darnell, does oh. not appear. And that is a huge flaw in the documentary that they talk about him and they feature oh, video of him, but you never get his perspective and his inner voice or anything like that. Because he refuses to talk about it. Yeah, really, wow. which is really interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: because he. Okay, I
1: didn't yeah. know that. Because I, I really liked his character. Yeah, in, it was good. In... In the uh, in the drama, he's.
0: An, I think he's enormously flattered in the drama, right. right? I think I think they they cast a a much more handsome guy for <laughs> start, but but on top of that, like they. Like, they are obviously very sympathetic to him. Right. In a way that actually... Interestingly, the documentary takes a different view. The documentary kind of blames him for losing the case. Because really, of the, glove. the Partly because of the glove, but also partly, like, the documentary, I think, comes out with a viewpoint that pretty much, like, he wasn't really up to the job and he got the job because he was black. But that right. never comes out in the do- in the drama. They really they feel do... he's a great prosecutor. Well, no, I, I got a
2: hint that that's why Marsha Clark um, put him on the case. Yeah, she she wanted it to be because he was good enough, and he was someone who deserved to be promoted, and probably maybe hadn't been promoted because he was black. But at the same time, it felt like he, now is the time to promote him because he's black.
0: Well, maybe, you, you never. There's never a sense that he's incompetent
2: in the you, in the in the. Drama, you're right. You don't I get think. the sense he's incompetent. You get the sense he's inexperienced.
0: Yeah maybe yeah. but he, he you know he's yeah. definitely got his heart in the right place yes, he's definitely yes, yes, you know yes. he's a sympathetic guy. But you're character. saying that might not be the case. I don't think that's the case in the in the documentary. I think they've got a lot less sympathy for him a lot less time maybe, for him. Maybe because he wouldn't be on the documentary. Maybe
2: maybe. Was like well, you're not going to be on our <laughs> documentary.
0: I'll show you who
2: controls history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so yeah so so bear in mind I suppose that the sort of rounding up point is just bear in mind that you can pick you can pick and choose your characters with absolute freedom even if it's people who are dead or whatever yeah. but but it's you can't include everyone so you have to pick people some people who come to the front and right. some people who kind of merge into the background. Yes. Yeah. And and only, you know, and and only to fill like like there's there's characters who like in the documentary um which is my catchphrase for the day <laughs> in the documentary <laughs> there is a there's a huge amount with the report. You remember? There's a scene where the reporter—there's a reporter—he turns up at um, Shapiro's office just out of the blue and is like, "I want to speak to Bob Shapiro." And Shapiro talks to him. That guy is a big part of the documentary. Like he's mm. in the documentary a lot. He That's has a right. great context on what's going on. He That's follows so the whole trial end to end, and he's a really interesting voice. He's a really fascinating character mm. in in reality. And I bet you. You know they would have been, they would have met him, and there would have been a temptation to maybe put a journalist character in or a different journalist character yeah. in, and it, for, for it to be him. But they are very one of the things I think is done best about that show is they're very disciplined about who does what, and they follow yeah. their characters. Yeah. They pick the right characters, yeah. and they, you know, and, and the cast is considering how sprawling these defense teams were. They they, they focus it down on a couple of people on each team, mm. and and let the story come out through them.
2: Yeah, they did a very good job. They,
1: they did. P- I'm happy. Dumb? Yeah.
2: Okay, so uh, that's it. Thank you very much, Will. You can find Will on Twitter. You can rate him five stars. Um...
1: <laughs> or less. He will... I'm happy to hear bad feedback. <laughs> he will save your marriage.
2: <laughs> he will. And um, and uh, of course, Will's got all the uh, credits
0: on the Reggie Yates documentaries. What's the name of those documentaries? Reggie Yates Extreme. Thank you. Cool. The best Reggie one. The best one. If I did say so myself, is people um, really like them? Yeah, Reggie Dates Reggie Yates. Uh, Life and Death in Chicago is the best one. I think. Okay. And that was the one where we had Reggie by day. He was working in a funeral home. For, which is the funeral home called Leaks in Chicago, that is the funeral home that takes in almost all of the young gangsters who get killed. And they have this... They're lovely oh, you people. You told me about this, yeah. yeah. They're lovely people and they're, evangelical, uh, they're evangelicals and they believe that no one should not have a, a good funeral. So like, they'll basically give a free funeral to anyone, pretty much. So he's in there and, you know, literally like dozens of people, you know, the week we were there, I think over the weekend, I think there were 52 shootings over the weekend. <laughs> And so he's there by by day, he's working in the morgue, and he's going to funerals for all these young gangsters who've been killed. And by night, he's out with the Nightcrawlers. And have you seen the film Nightcrawler? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's yet. an amazing film, and it's I'm all sure. about these guys who are real. And what they do is they go, they speed, they're crime scene photographers, who speed from crime scene to crime scene. They sit in a... Our guys all sat in a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts, about eight of them sat in flak jackets with a police scanner on. And then as soon as the police scanner is like, oh, shooting on, fourth and, fourth and pico, they all run out to their cars, they jump in their cars. And the guys were like first there before the police, like snapping away with photographs, taking video and stuff like that. Yep. So yeah, by days in the morgues, by night he's, by night he's uh, out with the night crawlers, like these these like crime scene photographers going out in, in the thick of it. Um, yeah that's probably the best one so I'd really yeah, recommend your, that one
1: your, your tale of this makes me empathise incredibly with Reggie and I feel like there could be a docudrama <laughs> at some point about your breaking of Reggie <laughs> after all this shit that you put him through <laughs> Oh, wow. oh uh, there's,
2: there's some great behind the scenes stories that unfortunately Will can't tell you <laughs> that I'm very much aware
0: of that's great to secrecy about these I'm afraid. okay
2: thank you so much Will thank you and uh, thank you guys for listening Um uh, we need a better sign-off because every time we stumble and just go and scene, what like and
1: that's the way the podcast crumbles.
2: So no, not, I'm not ending with that. Okay, I was hope I was thinking. Oh, you might say like we don't end where OJ.
0: Sorry, uh, OJ is black, black, right? He's we, we don't
1: end where OJ. Jesus. Something like that. We generally end on somebody's stupidity. So I'll leave you with this. It's going to be no surprise to our listeners. And you, that it took me several episodes to work out why they called him the juice. Because <laughs> of the steroids, right? That's what I figured. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Orange juice. I'm pretty sure. Actually, actually they
0: <laughs> didn't call him the juice because. They didn't, it's not because of orange juice. The reason they call him the juice is because the team he played for were known as the Electric Company. <laughs> right seriously that was their nickname was they were known as the electric company and they were the the team that switched on the juice right okay and that's that's why he's called the juice like it's um, to do with electric companies not there obviously is a play on words with AJ. he's the juice but equally no, there's this pretty... whole electric company thing going on as well in the background and
1: that's more than anything else is a perfect moment to end <laughs>